0: Romans chapter 14, verse 1. We will read uh, until verse 8. And to be honest, church, this chapter, the whole chapter is an incredible, uh, incredible chapter. And the whole, whole thing deserves teaching verse by verse in terms of application. But um, I don't have the time in one sermon to do it in one shot. So I've chosen the verses that I feel are important to us. And although I'm preaching from verses 1 to 8, I will be referring to different verses in the entire chapter throughout to add, to make sense of the whole thing. But for the simplicity of our morning prayer, or our morning time in the Word, we'll just uh, read 1 to 8. So I'll read it now from Romans chapter 14. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God, and he who eats for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Last week we learned from the book of uh, Chronicles and took our cues from the life of Asa in terms of how to respond in the midst of this uh, virus that's going around and the economic situations. I decided to do another sermon in response to this, and this will be our last one as uh, we'll move into Easter, then back into Timothy. But I wanted to talk about this passage because I want us to remember that God cares about how we respond and think in regards to situations like these. And so I want to talk to us as a church about how we're to treat one another within our community in the decisions we make in response to this virus. Now I want to just first of all start by diving into the latest update I got from the government of Alberta in terms of regulations for all the citizens in its province. And this... this. Uh, this is the, um, came from the website from the government of Alberta. This is regards to mandatory self-isolation. It says, 14, if mandatory self-isolation, 14 days if they've returned from an international travel or have come in close contact with someone with COVID. 10 days if they have any symptoms that are not related to a pre-existing illness or health condition, cough or fever, shortness of breath, runny nose, and sorry, my, my thing's blocking me here. <laughs> or sore throat. Okay, so these are the mandatory self-isolation procedures. Now, in terms of social distancing, the government has other rules. They make it clear this is not the same as self-isolation. So, so social distancing is not the same. He said, it says this, you do not need to remain indoors. You do not need to remain indoors, but you, but you do need to avoid being in close contact with people. Keep at least, and here's they they define it now, what close means. Keep at least six feet apart, about the length of a hockey stick, from others when going out for groceries, medical trips, and other essential needs. Uh, Wash or sanitize your hands after touching communal surfaces, etc., etc. There's a few other little uh, things, but the key ones here, it's not the same as self-isolation, you don't have to remain indoors, and just, if you do hang out with people, you can be indoors, but keep at least six feet apart. Now, in regards to mass gatherings, this is what they say: there should be no gatherings with more than 15 people allowed, including conferences, worship gatherings, weddings, and weddings, and so on. Now, fewer than 15 people are to be cancelled if the event includes any attendees traveling from outside of Canada, has its focus, attendees who are members of critical infrastructure like health care workers and first responders. Now this is important, it doesn't say if it has one individual, it says as its focus. So the way I read that is if you had a healthcare worker in your group, you could still meet. Okay, Um, has attendees from demographic groups at greater risk of severe disease, 60 plus medical conditions, and has attendees participating in activities that promote disease transmission like singing, sharing foods, or beverages. So these are the mandates of the government rules. And they think these are important to understand. So here's my question to you. How have you personally responded to these regulations in terms of what has been laid out by the government? More importantly, how have you viewed others in relation to their compliance to these regulations? I'll make it very, very uh, specific in terms of application. If we held a Bible study at our church, outdoors with eight people would you come if we sat six feet apart would you come if there was six people would you come if there's only three what if we had it indoors and we, and we sat six feet apart and held to these government regulations remember the regulations are 15, 15 or more if we had three people, six people, whatever, and had it indoors, and we sat six feet apart, would you come to the Bible study? The next question is, how did you come to your conclusions? And what influenced your decision of, to whether you would come or not come? But the final question, the most important one, is this. For those of you who would attend, how would you view those who were invited but didn't show up? Would you, what would your opinion of them be? On the flip side, for those of you who wouldn't attend, how would you view those who did show up to that Bible study? How would you think about them? Now this is an important scenario, church, because you will have landed on one side or the other. You'll either have decided to come or not to come. There's, you would have chosen one or the other. And this is really important for us to think about because it doesn't matter where you landed on that side of the coin. Paul has something to say to all of us. And we pick this up in Romans in chapter 14. When Paul wrote this letter, and specifically this chapter, the church in Rome was very much like the church today. It was made up of a real mixed bag of people with all sorts of different social, cultural, and religious backgrounds. There were two primary groups of people. There were the Jews who had placed their faith in Jesus Christ, uh, but they'd come from a history where observing the ceremonial aspects of the laws, such as like food regulations and certain religious days were important to them. On the flip side, there were Gentiles who had also placed their faith in Christ and were worshipping God under the exact same roof as the Jews, but they come from a background of idolatry and sort of like loose living, with very little regulations over their lives. Now, you can see how this would present a problem within the church in terms of potential for disunity and divisions relationally. You see, unlike our study in 1 Timothy, where the, what was threatening the unity of the church was actually false teachers, here, what was at stake was how to live out the life of faith in relationship to one another, even though there was diverging and diverse backgrounds. And so the question became, how do we sort of live out our preferences in the church in terms of some of these areas of food and days? And this is the main issue in Paul. If you look in verse 2, he says, one person has faith that he, meet they, that he may eat all things. Right. So again, it's an issue of food originally in verse 2. What's right and wrong in terms of food in relationship to God? as a faith expression and then verse 5 he talks about days what religious days and festivals and feasts are to be observed and which ones aren't as a life expression to God now this is super important here church because again it's very applicable to our situation so for Paul then he has to teach the Roman churches how to live in community with one another and accept one another despite their differences We pick this up in verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. On his opinions. The first thing you need to notice here, church, is that the issues that Paul was dealing with in Rome were not issues of salvation. They were not issues of right and wrong doctrine. They weren't issues of heaven and hell. They weren't issues of disobedience and obedience. What was sin or not sin? These were opinions amongst the church people. If I were to substitute my own word, their preferences. Preferences and how to live out the Christian life. And again, their arguments were clearly over what food should or shouldn't be eaten as a believer and, and what days should or shouldn't be observed as a believer. Now, However they fell in terms of what side they believed, what should be eaten, what day should be observed, was irrelevant to Paul. Well, sorry, that's not true. It was relevant to Paul, but for, for specific reasons. And he understands that, that uh, two labels could be given to the believers there, no matter which side they fell on. If they decided to eat, not to eat, or if they decided to wor- worship certain days or not certain days, they fell on one of two sides. He labels them as weak and strong Weak and strong So we pick up this weak reference in verse 1. He says now except the one who is weak in faith But not for the purpose of passing judgment In verse 2 he says the, the one who is weak eats vegetables only So there's a category of weak The other category is not named strong here in verse 1 and 2. It just says that the person who who is uh, strong, is to accept the one who is weak. And, and verse 2 says that the person who is strong may eat, veg, may, may eat all things. It's not, cha- it's not until chapter 15, verse 1, that he names that person strong. In chapter 15, verse 1, he says, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those with our strength and not to please ourselves. So again, it's not till 15.1 he defines the strong. So we have two categories, two labels of believers in relationship to food and days. Now, let me first define to you what weak and strong is not. (laughs) And I say this very loudly. If I had a megaphone and I knew I wouldn't deafen you, I'd yell this into a a megaphone for all of you to hear and, and bust your ears open. This is what a reference to weak and strong is not. Weak and strong has nothing to do with one's intelligence. Nothing to do with one's intelligence. Also, it has nothing to do with one standing before God. Whether you love him or he loves you, nothing like that. It has nothing to do with one's commitment or sincerity to Christ. Or one's principles or love for him or his love for you. It has nothing to do with these things, nothing to do with character. And this is important because all of you will identify as one or another today. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear, because the word weak in our context has a bad connotation, doesn't it? You're weak, man. You're weak. Like You don't like hearing those words. Listen, don't hear that when you hear the word weak. There's no such thing in Paul's language as as being inferior in terms of uh, your commitment to Christ or his love for you. So don't hear anything in that. And for the strong, for those of you who line up on the strong side today, don't want you to think that, oh, well, you're better than the weak and have a superiority complex and get a swelled head. That's not how he's using these terms. So again, I'll put my megaphone down and make sure you heard that loud and clear. How do we define weak and strong? Well, it's interesting, Paul does not come out verbatim with a clean one-liner and say, this is a strong person, this is a weak person. Instead, what he does is he gives us characteristics within the text that show us what this may look like, and we can read between the lines. So, weak, defined in this text. In verse 2, this person eats vegetables only. The strong, in verse 2, eats all things. In verse 14, which I didn't read, but it's there, it says that this person, a weak person does not eat unclean foods, whereas the strong believes nothing is unclean. In verse 5 and 6, the person observes the day, the day, which is most likely a reference to Sabbath, and the the strong thinks that all days are alike in verse 5. And we're going to deal with this as our primary uh, observation in our sermon but the weak often sees in verse 3 people as, actually their tendency is to be judgmental in the way they view people and the strong tends to hold people in contempt to chastise them Okay, so these are the characteristics of weak and strong so let me just uh, say this that um, uh, the weak then when you look at this list, the weak would be more conservative, more conservative in how they live out their life of the Lord, in, in, in expression to God in terms of how they approach food in certain religious days. They're more conservative. They, they, they feel that there's certain uh, restrictions they have to put in place in order to honor the Lord with their lives. The strong uh, are more liberal in their approach to food and days, and so therefore they have more freedom in the way they can express their faith. Now, who would these people be in this context? Well, remember, the church is made up of a mixed bag of people, all sorts of different backgrounds. This The weak could be the Jewish believer, the Jewish believer who grew up observing various aspects of the Mosaic Law. They grew up with grandpa and grandma and generations before them, uh, worship, uh, honoring the Mosaic Law. And so clean and unclean foods were part of the Mosaic Law, Keeping the Sabbath and obeying feasts and festivals were all part of being a good observing Jew And so when they became a Christian This is part of their fabric and they didn't want to let these things go And so by keeping these things um, Again, not as a means of salvation, but as a way of love expression This was their way of showing commitment to Christ In the same vein, another person could be a proselyte A proselyte, now that's a fancy word All it means is this, you could be a Gentile who was not Jewish by birth, who was attracted to the purity of the Jewish way of life. And so you could convert to Judaism by getting circumcised and obeying the Mosaic law, and you'd be welcomed into the Jewish community. So you also could be a weak brother if you uh, believed that uh, it was important to uh, eat certain foods and to... uh, Observed like you know unclean clean laws in certain days and so on and so forth. Another person who could be weak in this context would be a person who was steeped in idolatry and say sexual morality, who had been part of the pagan temple worship feasts and whatnot, and they were Gentile, and so they've come out of uh, they've been forgiven of their sin. They step into the church as a Gentile, and for them to go back to uh, certain meat sacrifice to idols and. Observe certain days and so on would be very difficult for them to do mentally and in their conscience And so they would decide to stay away from certain things and certain days and certain foods On the strong side This also could include a Jewish person believe it or not Because this person was also saved by Christ, but didn't feel it was important to continue in adhering to some of the mosaic practices This was Paul This was Paul. Look at verse 14 and verse 20. He actually calls himself a strong believer. Paul identifies with the strong. And he's Jewish. He says in verse 14, I know and I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean. So he's siding with the belief that he can eat all things. Um, In verse 20 he says, Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean. Okay, so Paul sides on the side of being strong. Uh, yeah, so this is important. This is important. So, another person who could be strong, though, would also be a Gentile who had found freedom in Christ, forgiveness and sin, but for whatever reason, and the, the way they experienced Christ. They, the, their past had no grip on them and so there was no violation in terms of the foods and the days that they observed so again you could be a strong believer jewish and gentile you could be a weak believer jewish and gentile it just really depended on your background and how you thought it was best to live out that life as an expression to god now in terms of um... i use the words conservative to describe the weak and liberal to, des- to describe the strong In terms of being conservative and liberal, we see this in our church as well today. There are conservative Christians who approach certain categories in life with with, with reserved speculation. They approach certain categories with reserved speculation, where where there's others who are liberal in their approach within those same categories and find more freedom in them. Paul's point here is they're both acceptable. They're both acceptable. Both opinions are, are acceptable. That's super important. However, Paul also recognized that although both were acceptable, it didn't mean it was going to play out that way amongst the church community. (laughs) So he may understood that it's it's perfectly fine, but people within the church couldn't accept that with one another. And he recognized that both had the potential to cause damage in the church. And as a result, he gave both warnings to the dangers each personality could bring. You know how on certain like, uh, uh, products, there's warning labels. You know, like uh, skull and crossbones and all these signs. Well, Paul had a warning label, a, stickle, a sticker he put on each person's... Uh, on the weak's t-shirt and on the strong's t-shirt. And we pick up this warning label in verse 3. He says, The one who eats, which is a strong person is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat, and the one who does not eat, which is the weak person, is not to judge the one who eats. This is so important to Paul about judging one another and being holding contempt for one another. He repeats this exact phraseology in verse 10. In verse 10 he says... But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So, this, this is such an important aspect to Paul. He repeats that thing twice in terms of a warning sign to the Christians there. So, let's look at the first warning the strong, not to hold the weak in contempt. The, the liberal, who's free to to express his faith in preferential issues, not to hold the weak um, uh, conservative Christian in contempt. Now, the word contempt in Greek means to despise, to despise or to make light of or to disregard someone. So in that context, here's the attitude of someone who's free in Rome in relationship to what days they can observe and uh, what foods they can eat they would say something like this, Listen, I can't believe that you're so uptight about all this stuff. You need to relax. You really think you have to live that way as a Christian? You're so bound. What you need to do is become kind of like more like me so that you're not so restricted in all these rules and guidelines and regulations. You see, the tendency of the strong person is to make everyone conform to their opinion. And if they don't, they they write them off and disregard them right away. Paul picks up this tendency in verse 1 of the strong believer. He says to the strong believer, Accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. Again, this is important. Um, The strong must accept the person, but not without trying to change them. And that's a tendency of the strong. They want to make everyone conform to their way of thinking about life and their way of thinking about how to live out the Christian faith. He says, "You accept them, but don't try to pass uh, your opinions uh, or pass judgment on their opinions. That's not your job. You leave them as they are." Now, the second warning comes to the, to the weak, the, the, the uh, conservative, and he says, "You are not to judge those who are strong. Now the word judge is a judicial term It's a judicial term It's to assume sensorial power over someone Really, a judge decides what is right and what is wrong We know that, that's what a judge does You're right, you're wrong, here's a lot, we're done Here's the attitude potentially Well this is the attitude of a person who is conservative Or comes from the weak side You're not seriously going to do that as a Christian, are you? How could you even think like that? In fact, you should really be careful about these actions because I don't even know if God would be pleased with what you're about to do here. This is the kind of attitude that someone in that category has. Now what's interesting for me in my personal life, it's not always a slam dunk of which side I'm on. It really depends on the preference or the opinion. Sometimes I've landed on the weak side, sometimes I've landed on the strong side. But as, I, you know, as I'm maturing in my faith, I find myself leaning to one side more than the other. Another person maturing in their faith might choose the opposite side as me. But here's what the point that, that, um, that, that happens that, that Paul's driving home in Romans. He says this, it doesn't matter what side of the coin you're on. It doesn't matter. No one's right and no one's wrong. There's freedom on both sides to express your faith as long as you see it fit. Both are equal love expressions to God. So therefore, there's no room for dissension, no room for fighting. Now, why is this so? Well, in a stroke of genius, Paul tells them why. Look at verse 3. He says, For God has accepted him. You could substitute the word them, because he's speaking to weak and and strong combined. So, for God has accepted them. So here he's saying this to the church in, in Rome. You might make a distinction between your brother and your sister in Christ, but you know what? God has not. And never did Paul tell any of the believers in Rome that one was right, one was wrong, one group had to conform to the other. That was never an issue for God what he said or for them he said what you need to do is accept one another because God has accepted both of you and he furthers, he furthers his point in verse 4 he says who are you to judge a servant of another to his own master he stands or falls and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand what Paul is really saying here to the, the Christians in Rome is this butt out, butt out Leave the other person alone. Just like an employer-employee relationship, where you have an opinion or evaluation of that employee, that doesn't change that employee's relationship or status to that boss. No matter what you think, it doesn't change the master's view of that servant. This is an issue, therefore, he says, between you and Christ. This is an issue between you and Jesus. And so... You don't judge one another. You don't hold each other in contempt. This is an issue and a matter between you and the Lord. And he is your master. And that's who you stand before. It's his evaluation that really matters. And Paul furthers his point in verses 5 through 8. He says, One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind he who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats, eats not for the Lord, he does not eat, and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For we, if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we die for the Lord." <laughs> I don't know if you noticed here but uh, Paul makes it pretty clear and whatever decision one makes in terms of how they want to express their faith in matters of opinion and preference the key factor in that decision is that you do it in honor and devotion towards Jesus Christ you notice for the Lord or are the Lord like the word Lord occurs six times in these verses six times in these verses Three times in verse six, do it if you're going to eat, or sorry, if you're going to, you know, yeah, eat this or do that, you know, eat or abstain, do it for the Lord. You're going to re- observe this religious day or not, you do it for the Lord. Three times in verse six, and then three times in verse eight. It's all about your relationship to Christ. The issue, of course, in that context was the issue of religious days and food. And Paul says this, It's not necessary for both groups to come to an agreement. One can disagree and still be right with God. Each person is to take these matters up with the Lord and reach their own judgment. And this needs to be the same for us, church, in the way we respond to this COVID thing. And I want to read this to you uh, uh, to, to finish off the sermon before the lessons. James Dunn says this absolutely brilliantly. And this is why I read commentaries and I rely on people smarter than me to help me understand the Word of God many times. He says, The convictions of one should not be used as a stick to beat the other, speaking to the strong, or as a yardstick by which to judge another, which is the weak. Such issues lie wholly with the Lord. Amen. Amen. The strong tend to beat people down, for not thinking like them, and the weak team try to separate themselves and make themselves, yeah, make a, device, a division in that way. And we're not to do either. Both are accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what are the lessons we're to learn from this, and how does it apply to our situation? Number one, conservative Christians will approach certain categories in life with reserve speculation, whereas the liberal will approach these same categories with more freedom okay a lot of these things in terms of our conservative or liberal approach or strong uh, strong versus weak opinions have a lot to do with our past the wounds that we've experienced in the family of origin uh, who our spiritual mentors have been um, the denomination we belong to the denomination we belong to is a huge part of this um you know uh yeah it's 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 quite amazing like um I won't even get into the denominations and the, and the various opinions on these things. But again, this is important. And so another thing that could determine this is how long you've been walking with the Lord and the way he shaped your life through the, the, through prayer and scripture and all these things. And like I said, for me, it's not a stagnant thing. I've moved from one position to another as I've grown and I've changed. So again, when we're, when we're approaching COVID and the regulations of the government, certain people are going to approach this issue with reserve speculation. Others are going to be more liberal. And we're not talking about civil disobedience. We're talking about the regulations of the government of Alberta in relationship to mass gatherings and social distancing and so on. This is important. Okay, so that's the second lesson. In order for unity to maintain in the church, there must be the freedom for Christians to express their opinions without judgment or contempt. There must be that freedom, church. I know some of you are on the side of the weak. Those of you who wouldn't go to the Bible study in my first question with three people indoors, six feet apart. That tells you where you're at the regulations of the government say you can. You can. A mass gathering is allowed of 15 or less. Or sorry, 15 or or less if you obey these rules. Some of you wouldn't go to the Bible study. Others on the other side would. But it doesn't matter what your answer is. If you show up, great. If you don't show up, that's fine. We're not to judge one another or hold each other in contempt no matter however our response was. We need to develop a loving compatibility within the church, no matter what the response is. As long as we're walking in accordance with the government laws, because the lo- the law of the land is something God's in favor of. So we have to be careful, church, how we do this. I mean, if you found out, if you found out that someone went to went over to someone's house and obeyed the laws of the land, you if you're you have you have to keep your your. Uh, Opinions and thoughts to yourself because God has accepted them. And vice versa, if someone doesn't show up if you invite them over for a certain uh, social event or a social thing, you have to also not judge the one who won't come. Or hold them in contempt, I should say. We have to be very careful in this church. And here's why. We're to, believers are to accept one another because God has accepted us. If you remember only one thing from today's message, memorize those five words in verse three. For God has accepted them, or He uses the word Him in the NASB. For God has accepted them. These are matters of opinion, preferences in relation to COVID. They're not meant. They're they're not moral issues. They're not. Uh, they're not issues of salvation never in romans is one group told to make the other more like them but only to accept one another as god has accepted them and finally the motivating factor behind all the preferences and opinions we hold and live out should be made in honor and devotion to jesus christ six times in verses five through eight for the lord for the lord for the lord you want to eat that do it for the lord you don't want to eat that do it for the Lord you want to go to that you want to go to the Bible study do it for the Lord you don't want to make sure you're doing it for the Lord you honor the Lord with the decisions and the preferences and opinions you make and this is super important church I already know that all of us fall on one side and the other and if we found out that some person rejected someone in terms of an invitation that we would potentially either uh, get verbal with our spouse or our friends about their decision and what they did and on the flip side, the same. So whether we show up or don't show up, I know we have opinions on these matters. But the, remember this, Christ has accepted all of us. These are matters of opinions, and we're to basically love one another and, hold, and, and be, be careful not to pass judgment or hold each other in contempt over the decisions we make. A lot more could be said, but I've said enough, and I'll be interested in your thoughts. Let's, uh, let's have a time of discussion, church.